You're with Grandstand. ABC Grandstand Cricket. It's gone! Pitches up and he's driven for four. Handsome stroke. Grandstand Cricket. Live and commercial free. The Ashes. Angled in again. Oh, yeah, it's taken. Well, that's why he's stuck with you around the wicket angle. England are one for 28. Cummins bowls. Vince Edgar's caught behind. He slashed the one outside the off stuff. And from yet another start, James Vince has been unable to capitalise. The battle for the Ashes. Australia and England. Live from the SCG. Red drives and drives splendidly for four. And it brings up a half century for Joe Root. Holds to Milan. Milan turns it off his pads. Out through backwards square. It's a half century for David Milan. Ten minutes in test cricket can change the whole the whole game. Dark goes in again. And, and Root flicks it away hard. The square is caught. He's caught at square leg by Mitch Marsh. Joe Root's head goes down. His hand on the bat handle. Big, big wicket for Australia there. We make one or two mistakes and we let them in when we could keep up foot on their throat. Hazelwood bowls again and he's almost nicked that has he? And the big appeal is out. Bairstow's snicked it. That will be stumps. Australia get two wickets with a new ball. In that position where you know you're sort of one or two from breaking the game open, you're always uh, in the game. Nice to get those uh, late ones. Grandstand Cricket. On ABC Radio and on ABC Grandstand Digital. It has been a bit of a theme during this Ashes series. England putting together a good body of work on the opening day, getting into a strong position and it all unravelling late on the first day's play here at the SCG. And now England will start in a delicate position in its first innings at 5 for 233. Hello and welcome to Grandstand Test Cricket. Alistair Nicholson with you. Happy to report that above the SCG today, none of the grey cloud that was over the ground yesterday, no light rain. It is absolutely perfect. Blue sky and sunshine. Chris Rogers, good morning. Hello Alistair, hello to all our listeners. Great to be here to see these conditions and interesting stage the match is in now, Chris. Yeah, it's... It's finally balanced here. Those two wickets obviously made a huge difference um, to the play yesterday. England, I thought, fought really hard at three down for 120 or whatever they were. I thought they were in a little bit of trouble, but that partnership, um, I think, you know, they put on over 100 was, was fantastic for them. But just the way it all happened, I mean, the, the skipper to get out in the last 10 minutes, chipping one in the air, oh, that, that's painful, I think, as a, as a coach. And then why uh, Johnny Bairstow walked out at that stage when really there was only nine balls to be bowled was, um, was, was curious and it backfired tremendously. Dirk Nannis is also with us at ground level. Hello, Dirk. Wonderful morning, Alistair. Uh, it was a strange old thing because it, it was 6.55, cut off at plays seven, so the night watchman only had to survive two minutes. And it, if you take as much time as you possibly can between balls. You might milk that for, for two balls. Um, and the balls that Mitch Stark bowled to Bairstow were outside off stump and he'd left, left. That's the end of the day, basically, because if the night watchman went out after that, it didn't matter because they were off the ground. So it was such a bizarre decision. And, and then the, the concept that the, the England players themselves make the decision on whether they have a night watchman or not, the coach just has to tap him on the shoulder and say, mate, no, not, not today. Yeah, I, I have a fundamental problem with that. It, it, it should not be down to the player because a lot of time emotion comes into it. You, you, you as a player think, oh, you know, I want to man up. I, I've got this expectation. I, I've got to go out. No, 
as a, as as I think someone in the in the change room. That's where they say, mate, no chance. You, you sit there. We're sending out the other guy. We're we're, we're saving you for tomorrow. Yeah? I, that's my personal opinion. Everyone will, will have, a, have a different opinion. I, I think I, I saw that Dean Jones actually wrote that it, he felt it was up to him as a player whether he wanted to go out. His defence could cope. But when that happens, then questions have to be asked. That's garbage, though. Thanks. It, it's <laughs> it's got to be the coach that comes that comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, the good of the team before you today, mate. There's bravery and then there's stupidity. And I thought yesterday was stupidity. A flat feeling, naturally, in the England camp at the end of play yesterday, but a familiar one in that they've, so many times during this series, and acknowledged it themselves, played some good cricket and then let it slip in the blink of an eye. So for that to repeat itself again and for them not to have been able to, to get through that, that period, what would that have done to the group psychologically, do you think? It was fantastic work for 80 overs yesterday. They were good. The, uh, three for 228. Uh, yes, they haven't damaged Australia on the scoreboard, but they've got two set batsmen out there who are playing well, keeping good balls out, picking off the Australian bowlers when they erred. Australian bowlers starting to get a little bit tired. You can almost see from a long way out that that three-over period with that new ball was going to be their danger zone. And surely when you're coming into that, you think, right, let's just shut up shop for three overs, come back out tomorrow, three for 2.30 overnight, and, and we'll bat in sunshine and, and, and on a beautiful batting wicket. That wicket looks fantastic at the moment to bat on. Um, but once again, these those key little moments throughout the series where they lose test matches in in 30 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour. I, I felt that a bit like that when um, being a part of the Australian side in England. You, you go over there, they seem to be favourites, particularly in 2013, and there were just moments, there were moments that the mistakes would happen and you'd, that was it, the series was gone kind of thing. And that's how it's panned out here for, for England. I think if you're going to win the series, going to win the series, you, you've, you've got to somehow get rid of those. Uh, I mean, it's, it's probably pretty obvious, but they've just fallen uh, again and again to, to those moments and, it, and it's cost them, hasn't it, dearly? There was a moment to savour yesterday for Pat Cummins, who after waiting six years for his maiden SCG test, he's... First test here at his home ground. He got the opportunity yesterday. We'll head inside the Australian camp next with the Australian fast bowler who picked up two for 44 on day one. Angled in again. Oh, it's the edge and taken. Well, that's why he's stuck with the around the wicket angle. Stoneman from close to his body with a straight bat. And the nick has gone behind. A thick edge as well. England are one for 28. Vince on strike. Cummins bowls. Vince edges caught behind. He slashed it one outside the off stump. And from yet another start, James Vince has been unable to capitalise. And Pat Cummins has a second wicket for Australia. Australian fast bowler Pat Cummins picked up the wickets of Stoneman and also Vince yesterday. He joins us on Grandstand Test Cricket. Hey, Pat. Hey, boys. How happy you with the day's work yesterday? Yeah, very happy. Um, it was pretty long grind there. Um, I thought they were you know, looking to be three three down overnight and it would have been a pretty restless night but get those last two ends a, ends a really good day. You know, they're only uh, what are they, 200 odd um, feels like they haven't got away from us and, and we got those last two and we're into, um, I guess, mowing than the tail. So, yeah, great day. Were they starting to wear you down a little bit towards the back end of the day? Well, I think the the wicket, it's a, it's a pretty good wicket here. It's um, you know, not a heap of pace and bounces. It was a little bit tacky from all the rain. Um, 
and it just felt like once the ball got soft, there wasn't a lot we could have done. Um, spun a little bit, but not a heap. So it uh, just felt like a tough grind. But um, yeah, good to get the last couple. During those periods of grind uh, yesterday, you seem to be the guy that they turn to. They put two men out and they say to you exclusively bowl sniffs. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, I'd like a bit of a quicker wicket if I'm going to bowl sniffs um, continuously. But no, I think here it's. It's probably too good a wicket to bowl too many sniffs, um, especially the top-order players. You know, they're all good players of it. But it's, yeah, more using it as a surprise ball. But, yeah, it's something I enjoy. Um, yeah, running, bowling fast. Does that tie you out? Not, not too much. Not too much different to, to what a normal ball is. Just trying to bowl a little bit faster and a little bit shorter. But, um, yeah, not overly. And review your own performance across the summer. I think I've been uh, decent. Um, I think... Come into the summer not really knowing what to expect. I think the wickets are probably a little bit flatter than I, I guess, hoped. <laughs> I'd heard the other bowlers talk about it. But um, I think more just uh, the lack of swing over here in Australia. Um, I feel like that, that's kind of a weapon, sitting the seam up and trying to swing the ball. And um, Yeah, I feel like this hasn't been possibility um, this summer. So I feel like I've been going decent. But, um, yeah, I feel like I can, a few little areas I can improve in. Yeah, Joe Root seemed to be pretty comfortable yesterday and that last 10 minutes or so just completely changed the, the day. Yeah, um, I think you see what a new ball does. It's, it's just a bit more, um, a little bit more pace and bounce. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's always looking to be busy and um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see the back of him. But yeah, he batted quite well. And 3-0 and up on the last test. Um, such a big series to come against South Africa um, and, and talk obviously about loading did you f think at all about maybe having a rest this game or just because it was the SCG you desperately wanted to play I think at the start of the summer um, being pre pretty realistic I, I thought five games would have been a, a you know a long stretch but um, I've been really surprised with how well I've pulled up after each game so after Melbourne um, we were lucky I think I only bowled 29 overs or so and uh, body felt great obviously a couple of days rest and so it wasn't even really a conversation when we came here. I think if we'd had a few heavier games and, um, you know, had a few aches and pains, probably would have been spoken about. But, um, no, I was just really keen to finish off the summer and, obviously, home game. Pat, and the group's worked together so well from a fast bowling perspective during the series. Do you feel your place within that group from a leadership perspective is, is growing and that's something you, you aspire to lead this attack? Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy falling behind the other two. You know, big quicks, they tap the new ball and they've been doing it for a fair few summers. So... It feels like a really good, um, I guess, foursome with, with Lino in there as well and just feels like everyone does their job and everyone, you know, is ready to bowl that big spell when they're needed and um, you know, it's just a great feeling at the moment and everyone's, um, everyone's going well and hopefully it stays together for a long time. And the last one on Mitch Stark, how was he physically yesterday? Obviously got the late wickets but at times yesterday his pace dropped away a fraction. Yeah, I think he's okay. Um, at one stage I asked him how his heel was going and he, he said he's got cramps in both calves so he can't feel anything <laughs> with his heel. So... Um, just a really, really, uh, well, fairly hot yesterday, but um, super humid, so it was pretty draining. But um, yeah, it'll be he's fine today, I think. <laughs> Pat, thanks for your time today, and all the very best with it. Great, thanks, for that, guys. Cheers. Pat Cummins speaking to us uh, here at ESCG, where the sunshine is absolutely magnificent. The flags are limp above the members and ladies' stands. It's the perfect scene for the early start of play today with.
play scheduled to get underway in about 17 minutes' time with England to resume in its first innings at 5 for 233. David Milan is 55, not out. He's already made one very good 100 during this Ashes series and will be eyeing another big score today. We had the chance to catch up with David Milan at the close of play yesterday. Stark runs in again, bowls to Milan. Milan turns it off his pads, out through backwards square. It's a half century for David Milan. Well, the player who's got a big role to play for England is David Milan. He's 55, not out overnight, and he joins us. David, thanks for your time. Cheers, thanks. What was it like being out there at the back end of the day, I suppose, to start with when everything had been set up so beautifully by everyone that came before? Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, 10 minutes in Test cricket can change the whole the whole game. So, you know, I, I think we knew that it was a crucial period and, you know, unfortunately Joe got out and, and um, you know, Bluey as well. So I, th I think from a team point of view, it, it just sort of sums us up a little bit where we've been this series. We've been on top for good periods and we make one or two mistakes and we let them in um, when we could keep our foot on their throat. Give us an insight into the batting conditions out there today and the way you approached your own innings. Uh, well, I don't know if it was me or just the wicket, but I found it really slow and I really struggled with my timing. Um, couldn't get to the ball. Um, you know, it got a little bit better as it went on, but, you know, once I felt my timing was gone, I decided to sort of leave a lot more and, and be a bit more, I wouldn't say defensive, so look to score as much as I can, but just look to, to, to sort of keep out the good ball as much as I can and, and hope they, they chased it a little bit. You've had some really good battles with the Australian bowlers, and 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 I know speaking to you privately, you, you've you've tried to learn along the way. Um, statistically, it says Hazelwood is the hardest one you've been able to get away. Is is have you found him the toughest? Yeah, I've, I've, I've found him the toughest with his lengths. You know, um, when you face Starkey and Cummings, they um, yeah they they have their ways that they try and get you out, and they have their bad balls. Whereas I feel. Hazelwood sort of just nags away in a good length with a, with, a, uh, with a couple of bounces. He never really gives you much to drive. And, you know, if he gets his short ball wrong, that's probably his only scoring ball. Whereas with the other guys, you feel you might be able to get one off your hip here or there or be able to get one in the gap here and there on the offside. So, um, you know, I, I just felt he's, he's nagged away at a good length consistently a bit, bit longer than the other guys, which has been harder to score. And they came, they've come round the wicket, the right-hand bowlers, um, to you a lot. Um, have you had to adjust your game plan over here to, to counteract that? Yeah, I've never really had an issue with it, you know, in, in the UK. Um, you know, the wickets are a little bit slower there and, you know, you can sort of see if guys are going to swing it and it usually swings a bit more so you can sort of set yourself up for it. So out here, um, after that Adelaide game, you know, I spoke to a couple of guys, yourself included and whoever else I've had a chat to and, you know, just to try to get a bit further across outside off stump, which is... What made uh, the last game's dismissal even more disappointing when I'd made a conscious effort to get outside the line to, to the guys coming around the wicket and, and make them bowl a bit straighter and make them bowl a bit wider and gives me a bit of a scoring area on the leg side if they do attack my pads. Um, you know, so I've adjusted a little bit like by getting a bit further across to the offside. So, so what have you found has been the biggest challenge on the Australian pitches as opposed to the English pitches? Um, so it's, apart from the wacker, it's, I've, I've found the wickets quite slow. Um, but they've obviously got good carry and more bounce, so I found it hard to to sort of score when it's not just a when it's just sort of a regulation length ball and you can usually just tuck it away in the legs. So I found that pretty hard to do. Um, you know, I, I found leaving well. If I leave really well out here, I, I feel I can sort of get myself in and I can sort of get on top of them a little bit more. And where you where where have you been looking to score here? I mean, traditionally you think about okay, well, 
coming to Australia going to be looked to more off the back foot. Is that the case, or are you still thinking, oh, I've still got to be good on the front? No, so because the wickets are true here, I feel I can, I can sort of rely on my just sort of my hands and my head to get myself out of jail on the front foot so I can feel I can just lean into, especially with the extra pace they've got. Um, I've tried to cut out playing, you know, straight back shots off the back foot. Um, so my game plan is to try and hit it straight as I can um, off the seamers and, and, you know, if an opportunity presents it to have a pull or a cut, I'm not going to say no to that. What are your thoughts when they come like they did in the uh, 73rd over? They came, right, we're going to come and target you with exclusive short bowling. Yeah, see, I, I don't really mind that, you know, I've, I've said all along, I, I think my weaknesses are in different areas, but, um, you know, it, it gives me an opportunity to score. Um, yes, it might give them a, a bit of a sniff if I miss Q1 or if I pick the wrong one to hit, but it, it gives me an opportunity to score and, and you know, it, at some points I feel it releases the pressure to me if I, if I do play it well and I do get on top of them in that period. So, do you feel you belong now at test level? You think you put yourself in this team for a while to come? Yeah, I, I feel like I've I've, you know, gutted out performances in, in tough times, which is, you know, something, you know, I feel you need to do in test cricket. You know, it's always easy to walk out and play the pretty 40 or 50 or 60 and get out. But, you know, there's a couple of my 50s I've really had to work hard for it. So, you know, from that point of view, I feel like I do, I wouldn't say belong in test cricket, but I feel like I've found a method that, you know, I feel comfortable playing, playing test cricket and I've, and I've got the belief that I can play this game um, and I can play at test cricket, which is, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't back yourself and you don't believe in yourself, then it's pretty pointless walking out. David Milan with us last night after play. He'll resume this morning on 55. Moen Ali, who's got a, a big day ahead potentially in his test career. Five for 233 with Milan and Ali to be out in the middle in around about 10 minutes' time. In a moment, we'll head inside the Cricket Australia side of things with the Chief Executive James Sutherland to join us as he has done on day two throughout the series. Australians trust ABC News. And did you know abc.net.au slash news delivers? Local news relevant to where you live. Australia's best live coverage as news breaks here and overseas. abc.net.au slash news with excellent interactive features and in-depth analysis. It's Australia's most active news service on social media. ABC News is for everyone. And it's free. abc.net.au slash news. This is Grandstand's coverage of the Test Series between Australia and England. Live on your home of cricket, ABC Grandstand. Terrific to have your company wherever you're listening around the country. Day two at the SCG, not too far away, but uh, as has been the case throughout the course of the series, on day two we are joined by the CEO of Cricket Australia, James Sutherland. Welcome, James. Thanks, Alistair. Great to be here. What a cracking day we've got. It's perfect. Much better than yesterday, yeah, that's, that's for true. sure. Um, it's our last chance to chat to you during this series. So can you give us a, a bit of an overview from your perspective on, on how this series has been? Oh, look, it's been a great series in terms of, uh, I guess, putting on an event. The Ashes series in our cycle of uh, the Future Tours program is always a, a really important summer. I think we're heading towards crowds of over 800,000 for, uh, for the Ashes test matches. And I think when we get to... Uh, one day as T20s will be will be over a million. Add another million for Big Bash League, and for the first time ever, we're going to see attendances of over two million for cricket matches in Australia. So, uh, so far so good. Uh, it's been been fantastic, and uh, obviously the performances of the Australian team so far have been very pleasing as well. Yeah, significant numbers, aren't they? Just going back to 13, 14, 753,000. So that will certainly be eclipsed. Have you got any sense of 
where this year's Ashes will sit in terms of, of record type crowds? Oh, look, I, I think it'll be right up there in the top two or three. And uh, obviously this year we're buoyed by uh, the Adelaide Oval being in, at full capacity. It was only half capacity uh, last time. And uh, it's one of the great things, uh, great assets of Australian cricket is that we've got these magnificent stadiums. Uh, we've got the Perth Stadium coming online uh, for a game on the 28th of January, already pretty well sold out. And uh, that in itself is just another way in which uh, we can meet the demands of uh, people wanting to come along to the cricket, which is uh, fantastic to see. And with those numbers you talk about, I suppose the danger with T20 cricket going head-to-head -head with Test Match cricket was that perhaps the crowds wouldn't be as significant for, for one form over the other. But, but from what you're saying, that there are people attending in big numbers both formats of the game. Yeah, I think... You know, this time of year I often say more cricket is never enough and uh, that's been demonstrated by the way the Big Bash League has continued to grow. I think we also forget uh, that the test matches are played in one place and they're, um, they're here for one week. We're here in Sydney for one week and that's where it is. But at the same time, Big Bash League matches are being played in other parts of the country and previously in summers gone by, we haven't been able to, I guess, feed the appetite of the Australian cricket community with other matches uh, that they wanted to go to and you know, we saw last night there was a game in game in Hobart great crowd fascinating game and uh, again just another example of uh, cricket being able to spread itself around the country. Has Cricket Australia done any research around the conversion of new fans who have come in to, to enjoy T20 cricket and the flow on to test match cricket? Yeah we're uh, certainly as you know the the focus we have around T20 is bringing new fans to the game so particularly with kids, females and families. Um, but at the same time, what we're seeing, and you only need to look around the SCG today, is we're seeing kids actually graduating their interest into Test cricket. And uh, some people think that BBL is sort of counter to Test cricket. It's actually designed to be complementary. And um, all of our research suggests that people still understand that the pinnacle of the game is Test cricket. Uh, the aspiration for young people is to play Test cricket. That's the ultimate. They love to play BBL, but... To take it a step further, it's um, to, to play at the highest level and play for, play for your country. 1995, when the SCG test was the third test, was the last time that we actually had a live Ashes series coming to an SCG mm. test. Are you comfortable that the marquee Boxing Day test and the SCG test are essentially dead rubbers sometimes? Yeah, look, it's a great question. Um, and the way it's panned out, you're absolutely right. The, the Sydney test match hasn't been live for... Uh, a long time. Uh, we do think about it a lot in terms of how it fits and how it works and I guess we could change the order. We wouldn't want to change the order such that uh, the Sydney Test match wasn't the new year or Boxing Day in, in Melbourne but we could push it back into the summer, so fourth or fifth test like it was uh, you know, going back 20 or 30 years but I think we've looked at it, it's sort of looked at all sorts of permutations and combinations first three days are still sold out here. Um, it, it is not just a matter of where the contest contest is at and whether it's an even series, this is a this is a great sporting event. People want to come anyway, and um, and I think that's indicated by the fact first three days are sold out. We'll have a great crowd on day four as well. Uh, during your interview at the Boxing Day test, you did talk about the state of pitches in Australia, and since that point, we've had a rating from the ICC of poor for the MCC pitch for Boxing Day. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, look, uh, ultimately very disappointing um, to receive that. Rating, uh, I think uh, it's probably a moot point as to, to where where it lands and, and whether it was poor or uh, the next next category up, which was below average. But I think it's a 
it's an indicator either way, below average or, or poor. It's a, it's a rating that we're not comfortable with. I know the MCG, MCC is not happy with that as well, and I think that'll be the catalyst for us to, um, to work closely with them to respond and ensure we know and understand exactly what we're looking for in an MCG pitch um, and, to, and, and to then to define that and then to uh, make sure that that's rolled out with uh, regularity and confidence. So there is a sense that a ground with so much history to get a rating like that, it's it's not really tolerable. There, there needs to be action in the aftermath of that. Yeah, no, I think now with the new uh, regulations that are in at ICC level, I mean, the consequences of that are quite severe. That's, um, the new regulations that came in 1st of January um, mean that once you've got a, a first strike, second strike means you actually uh, have, have matches taken away from you. Uh, we're not at that stage with the MCG, but um, it's, it's all about improvement and this is an opportunity to get better. Back onto the 2020 theme for a moment because there's been talk circulating that Ricky Ponting, former Australian captain, might be in line to become Australia's T20 coach leading into the, the World Cup. Can you confirm whether he's in the mix for that position? Oh, look, I think we're, you know, we're, I don't want to get into the specifics of that because um, there, there are ongoing discussions and as Ricky has said, um, we're always talking to, to him about opportunities for him to be more involved. As we are with, with other players, one of your colleagues who's just standing here, Chris Rogers, is involved in coaching with the under-19 team. It's, it's something that came out of our team performance review a few years ago. We want to get uh, past players who have the inclination and the aptitude um, to pass on their knowledge to current players at the highest level, but also through our junior ranks. And I think that's a real positive for Australian cricket. So coming back to the point about Ricky, um, Ricky's got a fantastic cricket brain. Um, we want him involved in, in different ways. He's got a busy schedule, so we've got to work around that to some extent. But uh, there'll be opportunities for him to be involved, whether it's formally um, you know, as a lead role with the T20 team. I guess time will tell. And uh, in terms of the, the schedule itself, you've got the, um, the T20s coming up in February. At the same time, we've got the T20 final of the Big Bash League on the 4th of February. I think the night before, there's a match here at the SCG, an international T20 as well. I know you want the BBL to be a big showcase, but you have the international going on at the same time. It's a, a bit of a quandary around making everything fit in, I'd imagine. It is, and uh, as I've often said, there's nothing perfect about scheduling and the, the challenges of that. Every year has its own nuances and, and challenges, uh, and we try to make the best, best of it. We've got, a, uh, we've got a T20 series that runs very closely into a test tour, a very important test tour in South Africa. So... We've also got to manage those transitions very carefully to make sure um, we're there. But we're also very clear that international cricket has priority over domestic cricket and test cricket has priority over everything. And so our performance at test cricket are, uh, are absolutely the number one thing for us and um, we'll find that balance. But certainly with the test series in South Africa, there may be some players that go over there early to make sure they're prepared for that series. James, it has been a real treat, a pleasure to have you as part of our grandstand test coverage across the course of the summer on day two, and, and long may that continue. Happy New Year, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Al. It's a good to chat. Thanks very much. That's James Sutherland, the CEO of Cricket Australia. The players are making their way out onto the SCG for the resumption of play on day two with England, five for 233. The Australian team will be very keen to knock over the England middle and lower order promptly. It does loom as a big day for uh, Moen Ali, who hasn't really got away with the bat in this series 
at all. We know he's a proven player, but can he find a performance today? Joe Root yesterday was so keen for that, that big 100, but didn't quite get there, dismissed for 83. So looking at the card on day one, Stoneman out for 24, Vince 25 and Cook 39 all got the starts and couldn't go on. It was three for 95 when Cook fell and then an excellent partnership blossomed between Joe Root and David Milan that had England in such a strong position heading towards Stumps. They were three for 228, but Calamity struck late in the day with a second new ball, Root falling to Stark and Bairstow with England not electing to employ the night watchman. He was dismissed for five, Root for 83. England went to Stumps at five for 233. And they are precariously placed now because it does look a very good batting pitch and Australia will get use of that including Steve Smith, who is in absolutely unbelievable form later on today. England to resume at 5 for 233 on day two at the SCG. Up to the box, Jim Maxwell, Simon Cadditch.